You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday afternoon, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro. It's morning in Boston, and that's where he is. David, before we get onto the markets, and there's so much going to go on this week, and I'll give you a list of companies that are going to be reporting and also releasing trading updates. Uh, but just tell me a little bit about Biden, because I'm starting to get the feeling uh, that he, I don't know if he's losing it. I mean, he's an, an elderly gentleman, but I, I, yeah. I don't know that he's going to see out his full term. What's the mood in a, I, in a, in a sort of liberal town-like or city-like Boston towards Mr. Biden, uh, President Biden? Um, it's, it, it's a very interesting question because um, there's divided opinion. Um, Boston is actually, I think, a very liberal center. Yes. And Or progressive, they call it. They don't call it liberal. It's very progressive. So they are progressive uh, elements within the um, Democrats that are calling. You know, that's the, um, you know, that's the extreme left side, the uh, Sanders side and um, Elizabeth Biden, AOC as they, Elizabeth Warren, sorry, AOC as they call it. So there's a, there is a very liberal element here um, where he has to get them to come, you know, to send, to get centers. But even with his uh, spending, you know, with his spending plan. So he's got issues within his own party. What's interesting and where I'm trying to get at is we were having a discussion on the weekend and the view from people on the ground here, when I say on the ground, I mean people who live here, who watch politics a lot closer, they say the Republicans are just holding back and say, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to wait our time because you're not going to be able to to get through anything. You're going to have to uh, appease the, um, you know, the, the Bernie Sanders, the um, uh, various other elements within your party. You're not going to do it. You know, we're going to just come in and grab this in three years' time. So we can hold out. So he's got a very tough issue. I think Kabul, the Afghanistan issue, has weakened him a little bit. Yes. Um, I don't think he's handled it well. He's lost a lot of ground. So I, I, I'm worried about the Democrats. I don't think anybody's coming. Um, I don't think anybody's rising. Kamala is, is doing okay. They've sent her to Vietnam and Singapore as a, as an emissary. I don't know how she's going to be accepted. But the point that, that, that I wanted to put across is, yeah, that the, the Republicans are just biding their time, you know, uh, and at the moment, I think he's got three years to do it, but he better, the, the Democrats better get their act together. Otherwise, you know, I think, and, and even in the midterms, there might be, uh, disturbances, you know, they might lose, uh, quite a bit of, uh, support there as well and lose the house. So, um, mm. you know, so I think they've got plenty of issues. So I think the point you bring up, uh, we, we, we got rid of Trump. Um, we were all happy. There seems to be a much more, so, not somber mood, but, but peaceful mood here. But, um, I, I think, I think the Democrats or those who follow politics are very concerned that this is not going to, uh, there won't be a re-election of him in, in three years time. Definitely not. I, if I, he's, I, a, if and he's around and that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, for goodness sake, he's 78 years old. Mm. He shouldn't be the president of the United States at that age. But if he delegates well enough, I mean, he sent out Kamala Harris, obviously, to give um, a a very young woman some uh, some experience, some foreign policy experience. But on the other Mm. hand, there isn't – if she stood in for him, if for any health reason or just just because he couldn't carry on, if she stood in, I don't know. 
She hasn't got no. the experience. She hasn't got the gravitas. No, exactly. she hasn't got the experience. Yeah, she's not. No. So I, it, it's yeah, it's it, it's interesting to watch, and uh, um, a lot of there's you know there's been a lot of discussion about the uh, Afghanistan issue, and uh, funny enough, markets have brushed it aside, but I still think that it's you know I still think there's uh, deep concerns about. Uh, how it's affected the image. You know, I mean, we could talk about it for a long time, but I mean, they've literally come, you know, they're leaving with their tail between their legs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it is an issue. Left, having left a lot of arms behind, um, having left, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of equipment behind. So this is not the way you leave the country. No, it was, anyway, a, it was an absolute it's, it's shambles. Mm, but it does go mm. back to February, March of last year when former yeah. President Trump said, right, we're getting out. So it, yeah. it started with him, but it could have been mm. rectified uh, by the Democrats. But anyway, let's have a look at the markets. David, I was writing a list down this morning for my morning uh, podcast, and the following companies uh, were due to come out with mm. results and trading statements this week. Stadio, Distel, Italtile, Bidcorp, Marin, Roberts, Sabania, Stillwater, yeah. Woolworths, Grindrod, Massmart, Blue Label Telecoms, Resilient, Ad. Ingram, <laughs> and so it goes on. We've had a Bidvest trading statement yeah. today, Marion Roberts as well, ShopRite uh, coming out with mm. a, a trading statement. So this is it's not a defining week for the JSC Securities Exchange, but certainly an important one. And will it justify, do you think, the relatively elevated state of the all-share index of the local market? What do you think, having read through some I, of these results? It, it, it's very hard to draw that conclusion because – um, so much of it is based on last year, June 30th, you know, June, yeah. uh, sorry, June 20, 30th of June 20 and that, where we'd gone through those awful three, you know, three months. So a lot is uh, the comparatives, uh, you know, co- comparing it to that period. And I like to look at the bottom line. I, you know, I always like to say, well, what's the mood? You know, what's, what's the mood of the company? Do they see expansion? Are they seeing energy in their business you know are they see are they conveying energy i don't get that you know i don't get yes they're all very the the pr people have got hold of them or the investor relations people have got hold of them and are directing the narrative against the shareholders you know to make shareholders feel a little more comfortable but you know when i read a company i don't get excited about what the prospects are for the next few years uh, everything is well controlled and very well measured, but I don't think anyone sees. You know, they're all giving the same kind of warnings uh, um, that that you would um, about about the South African economy, about Eskom, about all those issues, about the the effects of the um, the rioting and insurgency in in Natal. Um, so so I, I don't get excited about. You know, there's nothing here that says to me I've got to go out and buy these businesses. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 they're good businesses. They're well run. You look at ShopRite. Yes, they're making a bit of headway here. They bought some businesses from, um, you know, they are, are from Massmart, food businesses that Massmart should never have got into in the first place. So, but, but Lindsay, I think that's, that's where you've got to make the decisions. You know, is there anything that grabbed you? And I'm asking you, I'm, you know, I'm turning it around. Yeah. Is there anything that made your, you know, your eyes, your eyes bright, you know, to lighten up and say, listen, I've got to take some of these. I'm going to do well. South African domestic stocks? No, not at all. What I, what no. I will say is that yeah. if, if South Africa can turn itself around and GDP can start to 
gross domestic product, that's economic growth, uh, can start to reinvigorate itself, uh, then there are companies that are very, very lean and well-placed. The, the banks, yes. for example, they are very well-run yes. companies. The retailers are extremely well-run. Yes. I mean, if I go into a, a retailer in the Netherlands, yes. people are lazy. You go there at 8 yeah. o'clock in the morning and people are still stacking yeah. shelves, where if it was Pick and Pay or Checkers or ShopRite or um, Spa or Woolworths, those those shelves would have been stocked at four o'clock in the morning and they mm. I wouldn't have to put up with having to go around somebody with a trolley uh, putting baked beans on, on the shelf. So I think that if it does turn around, or when it does turn around, hopefully, I think that certain domestic stocks will do well because they are so well run. And during tough times, I mean, I've always said this ever since I've been a broadcaster, South Africans are not, South African CEOs are not lazy when, when times are lazy, if you see what I mean. They, they, they consolidate and get ready for the good times. But at the moment, no, I am excited no, about the, no. um, about the, the dip in the commodity prices. I would have yeah. a look at them again because I'm looking at the West Texas crude oil price up 5% today, David. I don't think the commodity mm. run is over personally. What do you no, think? No, I'm, I'm with you. I think after last week's sell-off, I think the fact that they're finding some kind of support now and markets have steadied, is a, for me, it's a good sign. Mm. So I'm not ready to sell out. And I think, I think if in South Africa, if there are any companies that are going to benefit, I think those that are related to uh, to mining, you know, to the mining side of uh, the business. But I, I concur with you in terms of the, that, that South African businesses are well run. This yes. is not criticism of that. It's really criticism of the uh, underlying economy. And we are an old, you know, we are an old, or South Africa is an old economy. You know, we're still digging things out the ground. Uh, we're still selling uh, most of our goods in shops, you know, off the counters. Uh, the banks are still old-fashioned banks. So uh, legacy banks are trying to upgrade their, the way that they promote their businesses or do their businesses. But so there's nothing exciting. And I'm not, I want to point out something. You've heard me going on mm. about your side of the world, you know, in the Netherlands. And I've been mentioning a company that I like that I looked at. called I don't know how to pronounce it. ADN, A-D-Y-E-N, yes. which is a fintech company. And the more you look at it, the more you realize because they provide a service that that other banks can actually use. So they've become almost uh, a platform, you know, that any other business um, who wants to go into financial, in a fintech can use them. And, and, you know, since I've been talking to you about them over the last month or so, they're up like 23 to 30% somewhere in that region. It's up two and three quarters percent today, David. I mean, let me just read this to you. Yeah, here we go. It's an e-commerce company. When you, when you, when you Google it, which I've just done, Adyen is a Dutch payment company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments. I don't know what that means, yeah. but it sounds good. Yeah. It is listed on the stock exchange Euronext. Uh, the share price today is 2,693.5 euros. Mm. That's probably 269.5. Anyway, whatever it is, it's up two and three quarters percent. It was yes. founded only in 2006, for goodness sake. Yes. Its revenue, yeah. uh, its annual revenue, well, last year's revenue was, uh, let's have a look, 684.2 million euros. Its headquarters is in Amsterdam. It's got 2,300 employees. 
and um, yeah, I mean, it's only it's only fifteen years old for goodness sake, and it's mm, mm. it's 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 going through the roof. Like um, AD, yeah. what's the other one? ASML or is it ADML? ASML? ASML, the other yeah, one. ASML. I mean, we I've been crying on about that for a long time, and I mean, they've had an astonishing year. Yes. All all I'm pointing out is that this is a global business. Mm. Uh, so ADN provide their their platform to uh, to both you know to to business to business and to retailers. Um, around the world, you know, so they've, they've got that kind of expansion. And obviously they've passed all the kinds of tests that, that people use, you know, need to use it. Uh, who, anybody, any, anybody who wants to use their, their, um, services. And I'm saying, okay, hold on a sec. You know, here you are. Here's a business that you're up, um, that has got growth potential. Where would I rather be? You know, in that or trying to look and hope that first round or APSA, uh, picks up from these levels and then that it's got a two, you know, four, five percent dividend yield or so on. So I'm saying there's just so much other opportunity outside of, of where we are. And that's, that becomes your benchmark because we don't have to stay in South Africa. You know, we don't, we've got, we can invest anywhere in the world. So that's why when I look at the market, I'm always looking at with that in, you know, with that uh, comparison. Is there anything in South Africa that can compare with those businesses? No. And and at the moment, no. No, unless it's moment, unless it's a company that mm, is reliant yeah. on things that are dug out of the ground at the moment. And I must say mm. that on that note, there is a ray of hope here because I've just seen an interview with the uh, the CEO of the giant uh, Mesk um, logistics company. Mesk, yeah. uh, uh, Soren Sko, his name is. He's the CEO, and I've just seen an interview with him, and he says that demand is so huge for shipping at the moment. And yeah. he says it's US-led. Yeah. It's not China-led, it's US-led. Yes. And he mm. said it's also, and I don't know what the difference is, he says the demand is so huge they can't keep up with it almost. And he said that sure. it's inventory building as well because people over the last 18 months just sort of sat back and waited to see what happened. Mm. And they, their inventories, their stocks, in other words, were yeah. drawn down. And they're just rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding. And at the same time, there's demand for their goods outside of the rebuilding platform as well so he was very very upbeat obviously he has to be because he's the ceo of a giant giant shipping company and logistics company but that's very interesting and it didn't seem to me that he thought that it would sort of evaporate over the next three six nine months so and that's why i'm still confident about commodities david yeah no i'm i'm, I'm with you i i was shaken last week I'm still shaken at the uh, iron ore price because I couldn't understand how it had been holding up so long, and I became a bit cynical, but I see it's back to 132, yeah. and that's because of the Chinese influence. Um, you know, uh, China's putting a lot of pressure on their own um, steel producers, making them cut back, and, you know, that's causing the, the dip in the iron ore demand, and, and the price has gone down. But, I mean, a lot of that was already built in the price, so we're not seeing – too much, you know, too much further selling off of uh, resource shares at the moment. Golds have come off slightly today, but I mean, overall, um, there has been a turnaround and a pickup, which I'm very pleased about. So, um, yeah, it is. It's an area of the market that that I do like in, uh, you know, globally, and I like those that are associated with mining. Um, it's the one area I would look at. Yeah, and uh, the the big daddy of them all, the black gold oil, as we said earlier on, 5% yeah. up, but now 5.3% yeah. up. It just keeps on going, and everyone seems to follow that. Uh, we've even got uh, copper up 2.2% today. Iron ore is, goodness me, can you believe that? 
I have no idea. What? It's down one and yeah. three quarters percent today to one thirty nine fifty. Yeah. And it was two two twenty five, two thirty yeah. not long ago. Yeah. This is a massive bear market suddenly, but anyway, yeah, I know. it's suddenly I know. down I on the to, year by 12%. I have to uh, defer to Mr. Wayne McCurry. Yeah, I know. Me and, I, and, and I was I was quite cynical, not not critical, but saying no. But, it, you know, everybody's told us that it's going to happen, even the analyst, and yet uh, it just held up. And all of a sudden, when, when the gates did open, boy, did, uh, you know, did the bulls run. But so, uh, I mean, did they escape or were they, you know... The running of the bulls. Corralled, yeah. Actually, that'll yeah. be a new word. Uh, we'll say yeah. it was a, a day, uh, it will be a Pamplona day if they, the next yes. time that there's a big bear market, <laughs> the bulls are running. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, let me just quickly look at iron ore. Uh, it's down 12% on the year. It's down yeah. this month, 36%, David. Yeah. That's big. In yeah. one month. That's a massive, yeah. massive yeah. move for a yeah. huge commodity. You see, it, when you say it was down here, because I remember the year we started off at about 150-ish, that's right. Yeah. And we ran up to those 200s. And 150 was already record high or close to record high territory. Um, so, yeah, those, those, those are the dynamics that we don't really know. Uh, there's so much in the commodity market. The middleman occupies such important ground. Mm. Uh, you know, the middleman, but so so the ground between the producers and the end users. Uh, uh, the, you know, the speculative edge of it is so difficult to understand. Yes. Anyway, we got. Uh, I'm not. You know, Kumba's come down, but I mean, it's uh, it 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 hasn't come down as hard as that. I think, or I don't think. No, I don't. I, see it's up today. I, I don't know. I don't know if because it's August, and I've always said this on various podcasts with you and other people. It, mm. it's, it's August, and the commodity traders aren't in London at the moment. I know, although they've you know obviously digitally linked to their uh, trading portfolios and everything. The fact is that August is a quiet month in the Northern Hemisphere, mm. and the Northern Hemisphere dictates these commodity prices: the mm. London Metal Exchange mm. and so forth. I think we're I think we're going to bounce back personally, mm. and that's not mm. a recommendation, uh, by the way. David, no, I'll go with you. <laughs> okay, good. You and I will both get we'll both get hung out to dry in about a month's time, probably. Uh, talking about being hung out to dry, let's end this now with yeah with Arsenal, uh, David. Yeah. I thought they could have got back into that game. They had a couple of chances, and they may have made it interesting, yeah. but they just couldn't yeah. do it. When Aubameyang came on, he sort of gave them a yeah. little bit of vim and vigor, but. Uh, unfortunately, Chelsea with Lukaku are the clear favourites yeah. for the Premiership. He no, is know. amazing, that chap. Yeah. Did you see that? You know what happened? I mean, Arsenal was so naive. And and, and I think uh, both goals came from the right. Yeah. You know, both goals. And, and Lukaku was brilliant in, that, in the first so goal. So good, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's sad because, you know what the sadness is? <laughs> this is... Go on. <laughs> is that we all start the season with hope, and we hope that this season is going. Our team's going to be able to at least occupy, you know, uh, the first five or first four places or somewhere. We're hoping they're going to get there. And after two games, you say, "Oh no, you know, oh no, this is not going to happen." You know, there's such a row. There's such a difference between um, Chelsea, Man City. Uh, and and the other clubs, you know, even Spurs are playing well, but they don't seem to last in that. But I think that is a disappointment that they that uh, you know Arsenal just in 15 minutes you, you knew oh boy, no way out. You know you're hoping they could hold and and two goals down from the same movement, 
there was no way back. You were so depressed. You sent me a message actually because I said to you, oh, I said, uh, I said, oh shit, look at this. It's now, it's now two nil, and you said utterly depressing, and I could feel your depression. It yeah. is, it is sad. I mean, Manchester. I mean, yeah. Arsenal. Okay, it's only two games, but they're going to play Man City next week, no. and they're going to lose yeah. that as well. So they'll yeah. be they'll be bottom three, of the table three. after yeah. three games, yeah. which has never happened three before games. in the history. No. No, I know. And when you look at the – that's that's the whole point, you know, at the beginning of the season to go down uh, like that. And this, hap- this has happened on successive seasons, you know, where they can't put a run together and then they try grasp at the end, you know, they try grasp back and you know, make their way up. And it's too late. And I think this is a lot to do with management. You know, for the first time I looked at the structure of the team and I looked at how they play and I said, you just – you know, you waited. You, you've had your time. You know, Arteta he's had time to build up a team, uh, and a lot comes down to the to 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 the actual positioning. You know, mm. to to your strategy. And they, they just ran through him. You know, they ran through him. Anyway, it's it's for Arsenal supporters. You just get that they are so angry at the moment. You know, mm. simply because they're a big team. And for a big team to play like that is just unacceptable. You know, I can understand it for some of the lesser teams, Norwich and so on. But uh, it was, it, it, it's very depressing for, uh, you know, for Arsenal supporters. And what happens? They give up. You know what I mean? They, they lose hope and then oh, couldn't care. And that's the worst thing. And, and then the team itself, you know, you know what happens? It's, it's like getting the team itself can give up, you know, when they feel that they know hope is. Uh, or they haven't, you know, they haven't got hope. Then they also lose faith on the on on the ground as well. That's that's also a very, um, you know, very important element. Psychologically, they start to give up themselves, believing they know hopers, and they can't, you know, they're not going to win the championship. So you get the the Sarkers, the Sackers, and the uh, Smith Rose, you know, who are superb young players. They start to get disillusioned, yeah. and uh, that's the worry. That's really irritating. That How's that Chelsea for a rant? Well, yeah, it's a very a good rant. rant. I love the rant. I'm a, I'm a ranter <laughs> myself, but you're the king of ranters. You're <laughs> <laughs> David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities, <laughs> currently seconded to uh, the United States of America and uh, today in Boston, Massachusetts, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.